I'm Claire Edwards, and you're listening to Authentic Leadership, a series of conversations, insights, and inspirations with leaders who are real, raw, and authentic. Today, I bring you a conversation on what I believe is an underutilized leadership attribute, and that's intuition. And my guest in conversation on this topic is Raf Seymus of Stella Labs in Belgium. Our conversation begins with Raf sharing how he went from potential Olympic fencer to starting his career in the commercial sector of shipping and then the social sector of working with justice-involved youth and the role that intuition took in guiding his career. Enjoy. I was introduced to Raf through an associate and good friend, Stella Collins of Stella Learning. And Stella has teamed up with Raf to form Stella Labs, the learning scientists. Yeah, you can count all the Stellas. And uh, Stella Labs is an innovative startup providing brain-friendly training for professionals to make them future-proof in Industry 4.0. So look, I'm curious already. I met up with Raf uh, a few weeks ago, and a theme in his career in our conversation that kept popping up was that of intuition. So today we're in conversation for the intuitive leader. Raf, welcome to Authentic Leadership. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. I'm happy to have you on the podcast, believe you me. So when we chatted <laughs> a, a few weeks ago, you shared that your career path had been quite varied. And so I'd love to start with you sharing with us sort of how you've carved out this varied career path and maybe what have been some of the major decisions that you made along the way? Yes, I had an, indeed a, a special career, let's say, and a career track. When I was 18 years old um, and finishing high school, I didn't feel like uh, continuing my studies and um, I was uh, in sports at the time. I did fencing and I was uh, pre-selected for the Olympic Games in Seoul in 88. And at that time, I still had to do my military service. So um, I did my military service in Belgium with the intention to train more and to prepare for the Olympics. But then I got injured. And um, so my plan was totally gone, basically. And then I had to find a job. And uh, I live in Antwerp and there's a very big port here. So I started my career as a shipping agent taking care of all the logistics in a, in a business context, of course, for the ships who come in uh, to the port and has to charge uh, or discharge. So the whole logistic process had to be taken care of. And it was really a good um, uh, schooling, uh, schooling mm. years for me because I learned a lot as a young guy. I was only 19 at the time. And I did this job for about five, six years. And um, yeah, it gave me the blueprint for the rest of my career, like, uh, working fast and, and delivering quality work and so on, and working hard as well. But then I got, well, bored of it. This is a lot to say, but I didn't saw myself doing that for the rest of my life. And at yeah. the time, I also didn't know what I wanted to do. So um, I decided to go back uh, to school, and, and I went to university and studied educational sciences because I knew I wanted to work with people. Um, but that was all I knew at the time. I didn't know exactly where I wanted to go, but I knew that I wanted to work with people and uh, for getting the opportunity to work with people, you need a degree. So um, I went I went to university combining it with, with my work and I really liked uh, the studies I did and uh, I ended up working in the social sector for uh, I think seven or eight years 
I worked with uh, well juvenile delinquents mostly or young people who had a very tough time uh, at home. And uh, I guided them towards uh, independent living. So I coached them basically wow. through independent living, helped them with uh, finding a job, going back to school and try to solve the problems with their families or with themselves. And I really enjoyed it. But then again, after, uh, well, let's say seven or, or eight years, um, I felt like, yeah, this is not exactly what I want to continue doing. But I, I didn't have a clue about what was go- coming next. But I, kn- I knew this wasn't what I wanted to continue to do. So I went looking for another job. I knew that I, I loved working with people. And then through my network, I ended up in uh, an HR function within the IT sector. I didn't know anything about IT, um, <laughs> but I took the challenge because it, because it felt like this was the right thing to do. And then the people in this company said, but yeah, it's not, not a big problem that you don't know uh, yet a lot about IT because you don't have to become an IT. You just have to select and guide people within the IT sector. And you will learn the mm-hmm. business from doing it. And that's how I ended up in the IT sector, which I found a very interesting uh, sector. I really liked it because it's uh, yeah, very fast paced, a lot of change, new technologies. Uh, it was something that I discovered and found out that I really, really liked. And that combined with my, um, yeah, my talent of guiding people and coaching and helping people, it was a really good match because in this IT sector, I found the same drive that I had within the, the shipping sector. Like it's a fast moving sector and uh, very dynamic and uh, time is on the matter and there are targets and it's goal oriented and you can see results, which was much less, much less the case in the social sector because it's a much yeah. longer term relationship and, uh, and yeah, you don't see the results very often of your work. So basically, I, I kind of used my, well, intuition and, and my, uh, my emotions to kind of steer me through my career. And yeah, I had some, some, some bad experience, but on the whole, I think it was a very good way for me to, um, to go like this. But I also think that I lost a lot of time because I wasn't coached at the time. It was not so common to have a yeah. coach uh, in, in the 90s. So I think with coaching, I could add a lot of uh, advantages for the young people who started at the company I was working for by guiding them and helping them to become more aware of their um, their talents and what they what they like to do. Um, so we set up a process uh, of coaching and training to help young graduates or young professionals with the first experience in the business. And later on, that became uh, the business model that I uh, I used to start my own company later on. Fantastic. It's, it's, it's really interesting listening to you. It sounds like even though it, it wasn't so much deliberate career moves because th- there was this pattern of you were in there a certain amount of time and you knew that it was what you you didn't want to do anymore. But by the varied nature of what you're doing, it, I, I see a series of building blocks that you're just building one on top of the other in terms of your skills, your qualities, your attributes. And and with the HR function in the IT company, because, you know, typically HR is, I suppose, um, often more sort of procedure policy-based. Was coaching a part of that role when you joined or did you create the coaching element of that role? Good question. Um it was not really already, it was, well, the company I worked for, they understood already the value of coaching, but it was more like not very professional and not very structured. And mm. 
I brought in the, the knowledge and the experience that I had from the social sector um, and the programs that we set up for these young people. I kind of implemented it um, within the IT sector. And of course, I had to adapt it to, the, to another target group and so on. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I kind of introduced it and combined it with training because yeah, you have coaching. But on the other hand, people also need to develop skills and, and, and more competences. Yeah. And this combination really worked well. And once we had, the, we had this program structured, yeah, the company grew very fast after that. And, I, and then I saw that because of that, I also understood that this, this approach would be a business model in itself. Uh, and later on, it helped me to develop my own company, to start my own mm, Yeah. And though it's funny, I was, there's something that I picked up um, on your LinkedIn profile. And it's, it's the, the testimonials and the recommendations people make about you and your coaching and the word empathic keeps coming up in in these recommendations from you. And I'm wondering, was that that sort of um, that focus on empathic coaching, was that born out of the work that you did in the social sector? And how did you then bring it into the world of IT? Where were there some maybe similarities of threads working with young people? Yeah, I think, first of all, to be to be a good coach, it's not about sharing your experiences yeah. because that's more mentoring, in my opinion. Um, it's more about helping people develop more uh, self-awareness by facilitating self-reflection. And in my opinion, the, the purpose of coaching is always to, to develop more self-awareness, to, to help people see their blind spots, detect their talents and, and start using them more. And often... What is often the case I've noticed in, in the IT sector is that, well, not only in the IT sector, but in general, that people are not always aware of their real talents because they're so yeah. obvious for them and so natural that they don't, they're not aware of it. And yeah. so they don't use them actively or not enough actively. But when you bring that under the attention by asking the right questions in a coaching uh, session, people become more aware of that and can actively mm -hmm. Uh, and, and can start actively using them and developing them more uh, more consciously, which is, a, in my opinion, a, a very big advantage. And, and in my opinion, it's also the, the purpose of coaching to help people becoming more self-aware and using their talents in a more conscious and in a more uh, structured way, I would say. Absolutely. And I would think that um, going back to your days of, of working in the social sector with young juvenile delinquents, that that must have been a hard thing for them to see, accept, embrace the fact that they did have strengths. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think empathy is um, empathy is uh, one of the most important things for making a connection with people. If you're okay. if you cannot understand what people are going through, if you cannot feel partly what they have to what they have been going through, and if you can't feel any compassion for that then it's very difficult to get a connection. So I think I've learned that or I developed it uh, during my work in the in the social sector with, uh, yeah. with these people. Otherwise, it's you cannot work with them. If they don't trust you and trust is developed based on empathy, in my opinion, mm. it's impossible to, to make them make steps and, and, um, and grow as a, as a person. Yeah, very much so. It was uh, actually when... Um... I was uh, I working for for SAP, and um, I mm -hmm. was 
I, I was I was really struggling with the um I, I suppose the the nature of the business, the amount of money that was changing hands and it just seemed all a bit crazy at the time. It was you know, it was probably at the height of uh, of their of their business success in the uh in the early nineties. And I I mm-hmm. ended up volunteering for a young person's rehabilitation center. It was just a little house down the road from me. And my goodness, it helped me so much. It helped me to get balance from this crazy business world of SAP. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it helped me develop empathy as well. So I absolutely hear you there, Raph. Um, yeah. So m- moving on from that, as I as I said in in the opening, that um, that the name of the podcast is the Intuitive Leader, and it sounds like that many of the decisions that you've made to forge to carve out the career that you have have been those intuitive decisions. Because there's a pattern of you sharing with me, you know, I didn't know what I wanted, but then you just you made those decisions. So, and and I'm equally as passionate about about intuition as a I suppose as a leadership trait and quality so you know intuition I think means different things for different people what does it mean for you Raf? yeah it's a good question and I, I looked it up on on uh, on google like um what is it actually and and <laughs> I think the the definition the definition is, is quite right it's the ability to understand something instinctively without the need for conscious reasoning so yeah in my opinion, it's something that you know without having the, the proof for that or without having the reasoning behind it. It's something that you feel. And yeah, it's also my experience that intuition can be developed. And mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's based on, on all your experience, all the knowledge that you, you gather by, well, whatever you've been doing, following training, uh, going on holidays, talking with people, reading books and so on. Um, and it's all there piled up or stored in your subconsciousness but it's yeah. it's talking to you it's speaking to you um but you have to listen to it and it's not very easy to to listen to it because you get a lot of uh, distortion from from a lot of different uh, sources so you really need to take the time for it and on the other hand also your intuition um sometimes it can be very strong when you have to take a certain decision like you really know what to do but sometimes yeah. it's also not very clear and, and it goes uh, left and right and so on. So then, in my opinion, you should balance it with um, getting more information. It can be from data. It can also be from talking to more experienced people. Uh, it can be from reading books and so on until this inner voice becomes more clear um, yeah. and stronger. But it can take time. And I'd rather don't take decisions when I don't have the feeling that it's right yet. Uh, and then mm-hmm. I wait, and I will continue. I will continue to find other sources of information, whatever they may be, until this inner voice says, "Yes, it's fine. It's it's okay to go. It's the right decision." And I would advise not to take decisions when when you feel you don't feel it. You don't feel yeah. that it's right. Yeah. Uh, and especially when you when you have this feeling like mm, I don't know, I'm not sure. Then just mm-hmm. try to gather more information, in my opinion. And and until this voice says, "Okay." This is the way to go. There's a couple of really interesting things that you said there. I think the first one going back was around reflection. And I think to be, for us to be more aware of the power of our intuition, it's to slow down, to slow down our thinking, mm-hmm. to take 
time to reflect, to take time, as you say, to listen to that inner voice or however it presents itself. And then that's now got Mm -hmm. me curious because you're saying that there are times when you absolutely, it's, it's very strong in your intuition and there's times when you hold back and you, you will balance that out with um, getting more information Mm -hmm. and, and those more sort of traditional sources. So, and and mm-hmm. forgive me if I'm putting you on the spot here because it wasn't a question that I put in the um, in the in the in the no questions. Problem. But if you had, I was going to say if you had to teach me, but that how do you know what what's happening for you when you get a really strong sense that intuitively it's the right thing to do? What what's help me understand? <laughs> <laughs> Very, very good question. Um, I need to reflect a little bit upon that. So give me a few seconds. Um, Absolutely. First of all, like you said, it, it takes time. Eh? So, and you need to take some distance from it. So mm-hmm. when you're fully occupied and fully focused on what you're doing, um, it's very hard, I think, to hear the voice or, or to hear your intuition. Um, mm-hmm. And usually... It can happen when you go for a walk or you go biking or you're in the shower or doing something else and, and not being focused. For me, it happens a lot in the car when I'm driving and I have some yeah. music on. Yeah, that's an ideal way of, of for me for reflecting and, and not doing anything, but you're kind of focused on the road, but not too much because it became a habit. So your brain mm-hmm. has the opportunity to yeah, kind of uh, check and has the time also to speak. Uh, your unconscious can can speak at that time, but well, yeah, sometimes it's 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 like I said, more clear than other times. And there's no one way of knowing like is this right or not. But it's just mm-hmm. a feeling that is yeah, gut feeling that some people might say. Um, and I do feel it in uh, in my uh, plexus solaris when that becomes more calm, and I don't have this kind of aching feeling. And then it also becomes clear in my head what the decision should be. And that gives a lot of energy and it also, yeah, it releases energy because you have this feeling and you, you know what to do. And then you also have the energy to, to go into action and to do it. Yeah. But from having, from having this idea to develop it, to develop it in the real world, let's say, to bring it on earth, it can still change and it can still pivot from, from, from left to right. So it's not because you have an idea that this will be the, the end of the story it will it will develop over time it will develop and change because of influences from from other things um mm-hmm. but that's fine as long as you know that this is the direction i see intuition as a starting point not as the end and then the rest is kind of uh, bringing it to life let's say yeah and and just picking up on what you were saying uh, sorry what you've just said about um about bringing it to life there's looking at sort of um, the the literature and the themes around sort of modern day 21st century leadership, intuition is playing a, a bigger and bigger role as um, uh, mm-hmm. a leadership assessment tool that I'm involved in called the I4. And one of those eyes is, is, is part is intuition. And I'm just sort of thinking okay. back to your days with the shipping company where Maybe if you'd said to your boss, "Look, I don't have any, I don't have any data. I don't have any information. I just have a gut feel that this is the right way to go." Would your boss have 
accepted that and just let you run with it? Or I suppose my question is around how we allow, enable, encourage, and facilitate intuition as a as a real core part of a, mm. a business culture. Yeah, very good question, and it's it's also not an easy one because I think. Yeah. When I was in my 20s and I would have gone to my boss and said, listen, I have this gut feeling that we should, this way, we should go this way. I guess he would have told me like, yeah, and why do you think like that? And, and can you give me some proof of that? And, and yeah. which I would, I would also do when, when I'm a company owner, I would do the same thing. I would not just go with the hunch of, of, uh, of people in the company. I would ask for more information. But then again, in this, we're in very special times now uh, within this yeah. COVID uh, period, and there's a lot of change going on. Not only because of COVID, but also because of Industry 4.0. We'll come to that uh, later. Because I, I think now that intuition, because of the situation, is becoming more important because we don't know what's going to happen in six months or a year. So there are less objective reasons to steer on. So you need yeah. to go back inside and try to try to um, use that more i think as a as a way for making decisions yeah yeah the more uncertainty there is in business there the more the more you need uh, you need your intuition because it's not business as usual anymore so you're um you've recently you know started up a new business how are you working with your people because i'm assuming everybody's working sort of virtually now anyway what are you seeing in terms of the use of intuition with with your people and how you're guiding mm-hmm. the business through this huge period of uncertainty? Yeah, I think yeah because of the changes I already have went through in, in my life, um, changing of different sectors of jobs and so on, I think I'm maybe better equipped than than. Younger people, for instance, mm. because I have more experience. When I look at Stella, my uh, my co-founder, she also has done a lot of um, different experience. She lived in different countries, so she's also more used to to change and to adapting to new situations. Um, mm. But I'm also aware that not all people have this ability already fully developed. Let's say, yeah, I'm kind of I don't like I don't feel bad about this situation and. Um, yeah, change is inherent in life. And when you're adaptable and resilient to that, I think it's exciting also to, to yeah, go through these changes. But I also, I'm also aware that it, it's uh, kind of demanding for a lot of people. But to me, it's kind of a more natural situation because I went yeah. through so many changes in the last 20 years, let's say, that for me, it's just like, okay, another change. Uh, I know what's going to happen. Uh, I know what I have to do. I have to listen to my intuition and check information and so on, and then yeah. and then continue. And when I look at the past six seven months that we're in uh, in business with with Stellar Labs, well, we have been going. We, we have gone through tremendous changes already, but we're still very positive. And and um, these changes also always have a, an, a certain opportunity within it. And it's a matter to seize the opportunity and to see it. And to, to be able to pivot. And I also know that the bigger the company is, the more difficult it is to, to um, yeah. go through change. But we're still quite small. We're working with, uh, with six people for the moment, three in Belgium and, and three in the UK. But the bigger the company will become, it will also become more, more difficult. But now we're very, 
uh, agile, to use the important A word. <laughs> and I also think <laughs> we're quite adaptable and, 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 and we're, um, yeah, we, we do like changes because we see the progress. We see the, the, the steps we take and, and they're the right steps for the moment. Uh, and if, when we don't take the right steps, then we have to go back and, and start it all over again. But that's life. Uh, that's part of, yeah, of no, doing I... business. Um, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I absolutely agree with you. I think that, um, you know, the, the old saying that necessity is the mother of invention, I think that we've been sort of catapulted into the future of work. You know, it's just it's just what was going to come anyway has been has been accelerated. And actually linking that mm-hmm. back into your core business, because your core business is around, you know, um, brain friendly learning, online learning, virtual learning. You know, how how do you see this? moving forwards i mean I, you know goodness knows when we're going to see face to face training again so how have you been able to i suppose capitalize on this opportunity and and mm-hmm. be innovative in the future of the services that you provide yeah well stellar labs has the idea for the start of stellar labs was already that learning within a professional context was not very effective um, yeah. before. We know that we know that the learning process is well. We know that learning is not just an event; it's a process which uh, requires a lot of repetition and practice and so on. But what we saw mostly in the in the business world is that training is just an event of one day or two days or maybe five days, and then afterwards it's finished, and then. They expect you to transfer all the skills and the knowledge that you learned during these days to the work floor, which is not happening or happening in a very, very low, low percentage. And when we look at the industry 4.0 and the, the skills that are needed there and the shortage which is occurring, yeah, there are many studies uh, from, for instance, World Economic Forum and, and Conferry and, and others, um, stating that by 2030, we will have a deficit, a global deficit of about 85 million highly skilled technical people to deal with all these technological changes and to implement them in company, companies. So looking at that, at the demographics, we're going to have a huge problem if we don't have an effective learning method in, in place and we don't, uh, and, and we will have to upskill and reskill our people almost on a constant basis to keep up with yeah. the, the te- technological uh, inventions. Um, so so that was already the starting time. point of Stellar Labs. Sorry, yeah, I was just thinking this yeah, is probably ahead, a really good uh, time for you to, um, to enlighten us all on what Industry 4.0 is and also the learning revolution. Let me start by um, talking a little bit about uh, Industry 4.0. Um, mm-hmm. Well, we've created a lot of computing power in the past 10, 15 years. On top of that, we have tons of data and those two things have facilitated, let's say, uh, AI, robotics, uh, IoT, and so on, and will will bring us huge possibilities for business to automate things, to make them better, more performant, um, better customer experience, and so on. But also these technological inventions will ask for different skills, different knowledge, uh, different competences. Um, and that poses a really big problem. Uh, like I said, this, uh, this shortage of, of highly skilled talent 
to give you an idea, in Belgium, they expect a shortage of about 600,000 people uh, by 2030 and globally 85 million. Uh, so we're not going to, going to be able to solve that by hiring people because they won't be there. There won't be enough people there. So what we'll have to do is, is to help the people that we have in our companies to train them, to upskill them all the time during their, the course of their career. So we, so we don't have to fire them when their skills are not uh, mapping anymore or matching anymore with the needs of, of, the, of the, the company. And with my previous company, we were upskilling uh, young IT professionals. And it was my frustration that it costed a lot of money and that the effect of it was not measurable at all. It was yeah. kind of a black box training. Yeah, you put a lot of money in it, you hire trainers, and then you put people in a classroom, and then you expect that the skills and the knowledge will be transferred to the work floor. But there's nothing tangible there. It's just a, yeah. it's just a black box. And this, this put me on the, on, on the path to, to learn and read more about uh, the science of learning, about brain science, and, and evidence-based methods for learning. And we already know a lot about how learning occurs, uh, how people learn, how the brain functions, but it's not not applied yet in uh, yeah. in professional training, and it's also not applied within universities and in, and in education. And I think um, if we want to solve this skills gap that is uh, already there, but it will only grow exponentially in the next coming years, then we will have to look at evidence-based learning and implement that in our uh, in our training programs. And that's exactly what Stella Labs um, is doing. Yeah, we have developed. A methodology based on how people learn with the learner it's learner centered and it's also based on on the latest insights of cognitive science and neuroscience to make this learning process much more effective and combinable with the uh, working Fantastic. so that's what we're doing uh, claire and so okay so here's a question Within this methodology, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so pleased to hear this because I, I'm in exactly the same boat in, in terms of um, making sure that that what is learned is is implemented back in the workplace. That's that's how I would measure my success. It's not what happens on the day. It's nice. It, it boosts your ego to say it was a great experience, but the real measure is in the changes that happen back in the workplace. Absolutely. So, Yes. So in going back to our core theme of intuition, are there ways that you can help your learners to use and develop their intuition in the learning process? Very good question. Yes, I think so. Depends on, you can train self-awareness, you can train uh, uh, resilience, you can train all that. But you have to develop a good program to do that. And it cannot be taught just online. And with online, I mean self-paced, eh? uh, asynchronous yeah. training, as we say. It has to be in relation to somebody live. But it can be done online as well. Coaching, I have I've done a lot of coaching sessions uh, online. It works perfectly. But I think you need somebody who can help you asking the right questions, uh, helping you reflect, giving you things back from, from his or her experience, that process is, is very is very crucial, and it's also part of our methodology. I don't believe in in online learning as such to to have a a good learning transfer. When people are self, we know when people have to do it all by themselves, the motivation is very low, and they usually don't go all the way to the end. And then we don't know what they really transfer to the workflow. So I think there's some 
personal guidance is necessary there by uh, by yeah, facilitators, expert mentors, whatever you want to call it. I think that's an, a crucial element in a learning process that you have somebody there uh, or a group there and, and possibly uh, together peer support and support from uh, from an expert mentor, let's say. You're absolutely right. And it's changing the whole engagement process, I think, with between us and organizations that we, you know, uh, for example, I now insist on working through with someone what what is it that you really want this to deliver you know let's let's create this together um so that they have accountability in it as well and it's about what you mm-hmm. know what's what's this going to look like how is it how is this going to be different for you because just to tick a box to say that you've done the training or that you know online learning is a lot easier cuz people can do it in their own time that's great that they can do it in their own time. But if it's not delivering the outcomes that you need to make the change for the business, then you might as well just throw your money in the river. Exactly. I, to- I totally agree. And I think it's also part of, um, well, for companies providing training, they understand that it's important, but it's much cheaper if you can just buy a license on an online platform and say to your people, listen, now you have a license. You can learn whatever you want, whenever you want, in your own time. It's a, it's easy. But when you look at the results, they're very, very poor. And then even the money that you put in these online trainings, they're, they're mostly down the drain. And I saw it happen as well with my previous company. We gave everybody a license on, on uh, technical. Oh, it was a very good one with a very good reputation. People didn't just didn't do it because they didn't like it. And watching a video yeah. or listening to content is not learning. And that's something that L&D people really have to understand, that learning is a process. It's not an event, and it doesn't happen in itself. It's not something that goes automatically. When you watch a video, you can be informed, but it doesn't mean that you will be able to apply it. And that's the, that's the main thing. That's the core of learning, that you'll be able to apply it in the context where you're working. Yeah, absolutely. And we're sort of coming full circle now in that, that such a core part of that learning experience is the process of reflection which in turn facilitates that self-awareness which in turn develops intuition <laughs> and and so what mm-hmm. um one, one of the questions uh, again i i'm i'm making an assumption here in the way that i'm phrasing the question but it, in my experience there's still a bit of a, um, a hesitation or a blocker for some leaders to really embrace intuition as a critical part of decision-making or an essential part of leadership. Mm-hmm. And especially what you said, given you know the what we're moving into now in this huge period of uncertainty. What is it, Raf, that you think stops some leaders from really just running with that and embracing it and 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 giving it a go mm-hmm. i think it's quite simple because intuition is not always right and intuition mm-hmm. can also be misleading uh, because let's face it we are all biased and intuition doesn't always speak that strongly and so i would say that because of that some leaders might have taken wrong decisions and concluded that intuition is not the right guy to listen to. But I think that's because they didn't went far enough with it. 
I think you should combine it and balance it with, with data and with other information. Um, and it's kind of a going back and forth between your intuition and, and the information that you get from, from different sources around you. Mm. And then it will become clearer and clearer. And it will, at a certain point in time, you just know that this is the way to go. But mm. you have to go, you have to go all the way. You don't have to stop in the middle and you don't have to say, I'm not listening to my intuition anymore. I will just focus on all the data that I have uh, and then take a decision because that's also not right. I think it has to be a balance. Like most things in life need to be balanced out. And I think intuition is important uh, and it has to be valued for what it is. I see it as an important influencer, um, Mm. but not as the truth in itself. It's a combination of, of of the two things, I think. Yeah, no, that's that's a really, really good point. And so when you're, I mean, you know, you're in this exciting startup, there's there's so many new things happening. With the teams that you're working with, are they full of new ideas? How are you working with all the sort of new ideas and innovation in in the process of of building your services and, and, and working with your team? I think, yeah, we have a fantastic team and um, it's we have a, a core team of six people. But besides that, we have um, a fantastic advisory board with um, very experienced and knowledgeable people from the L&D sector, uh, but also from, 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 other, uh, from other areas like uh, people with a specialization in, in scale-ups, incubators, and so on. So I think it's important that you have around this startup you should have people with uh, who can advise you, where you can ask questions, and and like I said, to to gather data, to to make better decisions, um, mm-hmm. combined with your intuition. So at, yeah, we're we're just very lucky to have a fantastic uh, bunch of people around us who are very passionate as well about what we're doing, and and who are almost freely freely there to help us. And and yeah, it's it's amazing and it's fantastic. And I would also advise that for all all. Uh, startups to 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 gather people around you who can who can help you yeah it keeps coming back to balance doesn't it yes and and yeah and that's one of the sources i i rely on uh, to get uh, more information to take sp- specific decisions um like we now past uh, let's say four or five weeks we're in the process of of uh, shifting with our not our business model but our uh, our focus area and, and so we, we talked to a lot of people. I think we spoke to at least 10 different people and asked for their advice and their insights. And all of them brought something to the table. And it's like pieces of a puzzle puzzle that you put together and you put them all on the table. And then from there on, you have also your intuition. I can also count on, on a strong intuition of Stella and of the rest of the team. And then we put all the parts together. And then usually yeah, you see you see much clearer where you have to go. Okay, <laughs> here's something then. So, and it may it may never have happened, but just I'm just thinking that mm-hmm. say that you know, so you and Stella are working together, and you say I have this really strong gut feeling that we need to go left, and Stella says yeah. I've got this really strong gut feeling that we need to go right. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. It happens a lot. <laughs> how do you how do you work through well, that? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good one. It's an it's a very important one um, that you're you have to be able to discuss uh, and to defend your your position, but also to listen to the other one 
And in general, what happens is that we always get out of it. We always get a, we always find a solution. And usually it's a, I'm not saying a combination of the both. Sometimes I say, yeah, yeah, you're right. Because you, I understand now where you come from. Sometimes she says, yeah, Raf, you're right. Because you have different experiences and other expertise than me. And sometimes it's just a combination of the two, but you have to go through this, through the discussions and, and be open-minded and be ready to listen to the other and really listen. Um, and not always wanting to stick to your own ideas because that's, I think, um, a major problem when taking decisions is that you're, yeah, you're biased and you're already convinced of your own truth. But when you can be open and, uh, and, and go for it, and, and sometimes it's, uh, it's, these discussions can be quite, quite fierce and, and quite intense, but it's always when they're always they're always with the, the best intentions. Like we want to get forward, and I I think this is my way. And Stella says, yeah, but I think like this. And when you're respect respectful to each other, then it always leads to better outcomes. Yeah. Or and at least just... at least the minimum is that at least the other one will not feel that um, she or he has to comply with the other one. Um, yeah. It's just like okay, now I see I see where you come from. I understand why you want this, and yeah, I do agree because because of this or because of that. Um, and that's an important one that you you stay on the same level. And sometimes you have to yeah, you have to find out where the other one is and 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 try to to come together. Yeah. And and something that you that you said earlier around bias. Um, I'm doing a lot of work on unconscious bias at the moment, and. I ran a workshop last week and we covered three different biases. And I said, I, I ran a poll on the webinar and I said, you know, which of these three biases is most prevalent in your organization? And it was the one that they call experience mm -hmm. bias, where, where people assume that, that their truth is the absolute truth, that their knowledge is the mm -hmm. absolute knowledge. And I think sometimes people can get a little bit, the, 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 the lines can get a little bit blurry around I'm making a decision based on my intuition and I'm making a decision mm -hmm. based on my past experience and I'm not going to let mm. you in and I'm not going to listen to yours. So I think that's, I think that's really important is to be able to discern what really is mm -hmm. genuine in, intuition and what is, I'm mm -hmm. just going on based on what I already know, and I'm not going to change my mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's an important one. And it's also a difficult one because the older you get, the more experience you get. Sometimes you really know that this is not the way to go. So yeah. because you've been there a few times. But then again, it's still important to also listen to the other person. And and if, if you're still right, when you listen to this person, you have to start and you have to convince the other one with facts and with reasons why. And to make the other one understand where you come from and what your experience was and why your way to go is 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 probably more effective than, than another way to go. And but that's a discussion that you have to do. That's a discussion you have to go through. And that it can only happen when you're open-minded. And that when you have respect for the other person and that you're able to, to listen and, um, and not only to try to defend yourself, because that will lead to, to even more discussions. 
and you will not get out of it. You will not find a solution. And then the other one will be frustrated and then will be more defensive the next time that you go into a discussion. So that's a, that's a no-go zone for me. Yeah, I hear you. So, Ralph, we're probably coming to actually to the to the top of the conversation now. So I wanted to ask you in in terms of um, and it's probably it, it is a difficult question, but if there was one key message, one key piece of advice, say you've got, you know, emerging leaders, young leaders and they're like, you know, what I don't what is this thing about leading with intuition? If there was one message mm-hmm. that you could leave these people with where they start to think and think, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to explore this more. What might that be? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about two things. And eh? the first one is I would never take a decision when I don't feel that's right. Yeah. Um, second of all is how you, you have to take the time to listen to your, your own intuition, your inner voice or whatever you want to call it. And when it's not clear, Gather more information, talk to people, ask questions, uh, listen to people. And then eventually it will become more clear. And the last one is intuition has has to be valued for what it is. It's very important. It's an influencer, an important influencer, but it's not the truth. And it should be balanced with with other sources of information from from wherever you you can get them. Um, Mm -hmm. So it, it shapes your... This balance between your intuition and and with outside sources of information, this will shape your decisions and the direction you have to go to. Raf, thank you. I I have enjoyed the balance of our conversation. Um, (laughs) Yeah, me too. Really enjoyed it, Claire. Yeah, and I really, really wish you well. I'll put the details of Stella Labs on the show notes from the podcast. So, Raf. Okay. Stella Labs on the show notes and would it be okay if I put your LinkedIn details on there as well so people can connect with you yes sure with pleasure excellent well it is where are we at six o'clock in the evening my time ten o'clock in the morning your time enjoy the rest of your day that's right and um, I might find myself a glass of wine Enjoy your glass of wine, Claire, and uh, I hope to talk to you soon. Enjoy your evening. Excellent. Thank you so much, Raf. Go well. Thank you very much. Bye-bye, Claire. Bye-bye.